Welcome to another innovation podcast. And the theme this week is a big one. Um, you'd have to probably be living on another planet not to realize we've got a big challenge with sustainability. In fact, you probably would also recognize if we're not careful and if we don't innovate soon, we may need another planet to deal with this challenge. So this is a big one and innovation lies at the heart of it. And there are a lot of things that we can do but we need to reflect also about how we're doing it. So we're delighted today to have with us Henning Breuer, who is Professor of Business Psychology at the University for Applied Sciences in Media, Communication and Management based in Berlin. Uh, but Henning isn't just working in the academic side of things. He's also concerned with moving theory into practice. And in that role, he was the founder of UX Berlin, which is an innovation consulting organization. So very much someone who's got a foot in both the theoretical, the academic world, and also the world of practice. So Henning, thank you so much for joining us. Really looking forward to hearing what you have to say around this rather big theme. Uh, and perhaps we could focus in particularly on a project I know you're working on called Impact. Impact, which really draws together several of the key themes that we're concerned with, not just the challenge of sustainability, but how we approach it in organizations and what our underlying cultural beliefs are in the organization, our values. So Henning, perhaps could we start by uh, uh, going a little more deeply into what is impact? Sure. So <clears throat> first of all, thanks, John, for having me on your podcast here. Um, The impact project is uh, essentially both, I would say, about a likewise classical and a new rather existential challenge that you already mentioned, right? So in some respect, we're dealing with a classical management issue here. Um, management theorists and consultant Peter Drucker uh, came up with a quite descriptive proverb for that when he said, culture eats uh, strategy for breakfast, right? You and many of the listeners have probably heard about that one right what he meant is uh, even if you have a great coherent plan what to do and how to reach your goals it will not survive the day or even breakfast in an organization if it's misaligned with the people and their practices right so if people don't know why they should do anything and how they can do it all strategic goals and plans can be in vain Today, this classical and seemingly theoretical tension between strategy and culture then assumes a more existential meaning. So in our transition to a more sustainable economy, sustainability strategies regularly fail or at least do not live up to their full potential. And um, yeah, that's obviously a great challenge, not just for business, for all stakeholders being affected by that. I get it. So, yeah, obvious question, is that why you've called the project Impact? Because you're actually concerned to increase the impact of these well-meaning strategies. Exactly. Very well observed. So the title Impact is actually a shortcut for the full title of this project, uh, which can be spelled out as Building Values-Based Innovation Culture for Sustainable Business Impact. Uh, wow, that's quite a mouthful. Um, maybe you could uh, just unpack that a little bit. Uh, what's going on in the project? What's it about? 
Sure. I mean, the key point here are the values, right? By values, I would understand notions of the desirable as they have been defined in a more pragmatist tradition or systems of priorities like uh, the psychologist Shalom Schwartz defined them once, right? So, and on the one hand, my interest in values stems from previous works we did on values-based innovation management. Uh, together with Professor Dr. Lüdecke Freund, I explored how values, rather than short-lived interest or just external opportunities, can actually drive and direct innovation efforts, and how they can help us to address the great challenges we are facing today. And the sustainability challenge is uh, doubtless the greatest of these challenges, right? On the other hand, values are the foundation of organizational culture, and that kind of brings us back to the proverb by Peter Drucker, right? So talking about innovation culture also suggests to take a holistic view on innovation practices and outcomes. And our assumption is that you need such a holistic view on the organization and on a values-based innovation culture to reliably achieve a positive impact on sustainable development. So it's not a just a matter of one-off projects, but um, how to establish yeah, a culture, as I said, um, that uh, allows you to come up with sustainable innovation in a repeatable and a reliable manner. That makes a lot of sense. Um, but could you perhaps give us a couple of examples around this? Sure. For instance, imagine two different companies, right? Company one could follow a conventional approach to uncover new market opportunities and to increase its market share, right? So it, it responds to increased customer demand for more sustainable products and introduces a green alternative to its flagship product, right? For instance, to give you a real example, Coca-Cola did that once with Coca-Cola Life, which was a reduced calorie drink that used some natural stevia as a sweetener and actually distributed that in some test markets in South America. Um, even if such a company issues a green product strategy afterwards, this can remain to be an isolated activity, and it might be difficult to manage even that activity since internal competencies and supply chains for this green product are not well developed. Yeah. On the other hand, we can imagine another company, let's just call it company two, that would review its uh, given set of core values and together with its employees and other stakeholders, uh, try to become a truly sustainable company and to express this kind of ambition through its vision, mission, and purpose. Yeah, um, There are also some well-known examples for that. Ecosia, the green search engine from Berlin, is one well-known example that has been discussed in the literature. Patagonia is another one. IBM is a case uh, that we discussed in our textbook on values-based innovation management and how they kind of involved the whole workforce to come up with a new refined set of values uh, together with its employees, right? So um, if you do that, you don't just have a couple of enlightened employees, but diverse parties would seek new ways to enhance sustainability to... Uh, motivated new applicants would join the company. 
Um, and this would not just result in a new product or a new service, but also internal operations, capabilities, business models, and so forth would be repurposed towards new ecological, social, and economic outcomes. So it's really a, a, a kind, of, kind of system reboot along a different thing. It's not just an isolated little bit of green paint here or there. It's actually a systemic rethink. Uh, that, that, that seems to make a lot of sense. Could you elaborate more around how the project is addressing this? Yes, and the question in our impact project is not how to convince companies to do the right thing, but how to succeed in this once the decision is taken, right? All companies and organizations actually in Europe are now asked to adopt sustainability goals. A new corporate sustainability reporting directive and EU taxonomy require not just the large but also mid-sized companies to contribute to environmental goals. And I would say it is unspoken, but this essentially requires a significant cultural change for most organizations. Many have already adapted their strategies, but very few have established effective inherent practices and manage innovation based on values of corporate sustainability. Yeah, so this seems to get to the heart of it. This is about, as I said, a, a kind of reboot in thinking. For me, culture is the way we do things around here, and it's it kind of drives everything else. Um, that's a big one. So how can companies do it? Or is this why many of those initiatives actually fail, despite the, the nice aspirations? Yeah. In this impact project, we work uh, with different companies, right? We work with a technical inspection provider, a large science-based multinational corporation, an energy provider or an energy service provider, and a bunch of smaller companies engaged in a clean tech cluster. And we conducted 36 ethnographic field interviews to understand the organizational culture in each of these companies, especially with respect to sustainability and innovation. And we try to identify good practices and methods, but also the tensions and barriers to sustainable innovation. That's really intriguing. And uh, I'm struck this whole ethnographic approach. It's like anthropologists going into the jungle and studying how things actually happen. Great. But uh, what did you find? Well, we saw that most of them actually already are quite advanced in redirecting their culture towards values of sustainability. I mean, after all, those were the ones that volunteered in our project and are actively participating in that, right? So uh, I would say they mean it seriously, right? Um, some have adopted sustainability as one of their core values and position themselves already strategically as a leader in sustainable product and service design in their industry. One of them even introduced a quite sophisticated sustainability assessment routine and uh, takes the results of this assessment as a key criteria for evaluating its overall innovation portfolio. And I think we saw a lot of these really good practices that can really serve as a benchmark for the whole industry. Oh, this is fantastic. So uh, it's all going well and uh, sustainability being built step by step into their cultures. Yeah, well, that may have been our hope. <laughs> But we also saw substantial challenges that all or some of these companies are struggling with, right? So it begins with what we call sustainability literacy. 
establishing a shared understanding what essential terms uh, here actually refer to and what kind of behaviors or uh, activities they imply. Um, with respect to sustainability, for instance, some respondents in one company talked about ecological aspects, whereas others in the same company stressed the importance of the social dimension, right? Some advocated a triple bottom line approach of ecological, social, and economic value, whereas others in, again, the same company argued against such a triple bottom line approach and favored a system value approach, right, where you have more nested systems uh, to consider. One company actually had created its own cultural dictionary, and that was, again, an interesting good practice, I would say, to deal with this problem, to ensure a common understanding of essential terms and their translation into desired behavior. Um, another challenge that we saw with two of the companies, um, they actually had a history of prioritizing safety and error-proof engineering expertise. Um, and we're now struggling with this more stakeholder inclusive failure tolerant mindset that you need for sustainable innovation or innovation in general, right? Um, and yeah, I can say that we also found what we called a hidden treasure in there. Uh, that sounds intriguing. I, I can see something glinting and glistening, but uh, perhaps could you tell us a little more about that? Sure. We. Um, a hidden treasure we found in the fact that some cases, in some cases, sustainability-oriented engagement of employees exceeds the kind of absorptive capacity of the organization in technical terms. So, I mean, ideally, you would hope that motivated employees identify with the strategic and normative goal of the organization and have every chance to contribute. But in fact, we noticed, for instance, at this inspection company that several respondents once joined the organization with an idealistic desire to be, become part of the solution rather than the problem, as uh, we sometimes say, right? So these employees brought up several initiatives, how to improve, for instance, sustainability with emission-free infrastructure, putting solar panels on roof, or um, utilizing informal communication um, to bring their sustainability message across. Um, they engaged in uh, canteen talk yeah, or in video chats like uh, we're all accustomed to nowadays. They blend in expressive backgrounds showing the SDGs or um, interesting materials to promote this personal sustainability mission. However, even though such self-initiative was theoretically welcomed by the top management, several of these propositions did not receive sufficient feedback or even scale-up support to uh, yeah, be turned into reality. Yeah, yeah, that, that has a familiar ring to it. It, it reminds me of, uh, of the great American writer Joseph Duran, who wrote hugely about the field of quality management and the role that employees can play in improving that. And he had this lovely expression, which absolutely fits what you said. Uh, he talked about it being the gold in the mine. And of course, mm -hmm. that sets up exactly the question I'm now going to ask you. So mm -hmm. given that it's there, what is it that managers in organizations can do to bring it out? 
Right. So um, what we do in our project is we offer and facilitate co-creation workshops yeah, um, with these industrial partners to raise such hidden treasures, right? Um, some of these workshops, for instance, focus on the ecosystems these firms are part of. In such an ecosystem workshop, we would first think about and then prioritize what are the most relevant stakeholders in a domain. Um, we would review which values they actually share and which more economic value or benefit do they provide and receive. Then we depict an overview of different trends affecting them and assess the impact of these trends. Um, and with these coordinates, we go into something we call envisioning, yeah, envisioning a desirable future state for this new ecosystem. And we try to, based on this ideal projection, then come up with new potentials for economic, social, and ecological value creation. So, I mean, this is obviously still, uh, not obviously, but it's still a work in progress. So um, we're still working on the results from that. But I hope um, these activities can help to extend, for instance, the technical inspection business into new domains, such as sustainability inspection or provision of environmental footprint data for a European product passport, which then could again enable something like green pricing for um, comparable customer services, right? It could, so to say, awaken different kinds of uh, organizational sustainability potentials. There's a lot going on. This is really fascinating. Um, the project is still into its final year, but it's still got a year or so to run. Um, what are the next steps? Yeah, we're starting to wrap up what we have so far, right? So um, what we have is a very comprehensive literature review in this whole domain uh, on values, sustainability, and uh, according impact. Um, we have in-depth expert interviews and a large survey with innovation professionals in the domain. Um, we have the documentation and the results from the ethnographic field studies and the co-creation workshops in the four countries. And together, these materials and results really contain a great repository of cases, insights, and methods, I would say. From these, we would then um, create some, yeah, hopefully useful resources also for educators and innovation professionals that seek to understand and design such values-based innovation cultures. Part of that is also developing a professional and student course on sustainable innovation practices and a toolkit to provide step-by-step -step guidelines how to apply the research and the workshop formats that we experimented with throughout this project. Wow, that's uh, that's quite a pile of, uh, if I can stay with the metaphor, quite a pile of treasure that you're beginning to accumulate here. Um, I'm certainly fascinated, not least uh, as a teacher, by uh, the idea of developing courses that might bring this much more to the forefront in the way we engage with students and managers. But perhaps looking at the project so far and where you plan to go, what have you learned so far? What's maybe one of the things that you take away personally from it? Yeah, I guess for all team members in this project, this uh, involved a lot of hermeneutic works on values and cultures, right? Really trying to understand and trying to find 
new approaches for eliciting these values and understanding the culture and understanding the challenges it's dealing with, right? So accordingly, we gained a more profound understanding, I would say, in about these different business approaches and the challenges these companies are facing in the honest attempt uh, to transit to a more sustainable economy. One lesson learned, I guess, is that business sustainability, even if you just focus on one firm, is not just a matter of isolated activities or even larger campaigns. It's not enough to introduce new processes, products and services, and nor does it suffice to create new business models or strategies or to create sustainability onto an existing list of core values, right? Instead, I would say it requires a real significant cultural change, and that is oftentimes underestimated. So it involves deeply ingrained beliefs and values, practices and methods, activities and artifacts, and really achieving such a cultural change in these domains requires some time, as we see um, also from the historical developments in some of these companies, right? Unfortunately, as you lined out when we started the interview, right? So we don't really have this time today, but we're facing a multitude of sustainability threats. A global poly crisis was just proclaimed at the World Economic Forum in this year, 2023, right? And these challenges persist and our job in this project was just to look into one relevant subset of those, right? And I think we could come up with some new, hopefully interesting approaches to, for instance, rapid ethnography, really to understand and elicit these values in the organizations. But we need to complement them by rapid, high-impact interventions that really help us to boost and speed up this uh, ongoing cultural change. Yeah, now there's some some fascinating stuff there, and and it's making me think. Um, there was this report last week from the United Nations echoing that World Economic Forum, and we haven't got much time, and we need big change in the way we think. Um, it reminds me of the problem I hear so often when organisations talk about an innovation culture. It's what I call the the culture paintbrush. You know, you go along and you dab a little here and. It's not going to be like that. It is a fundamental systemic change. But what you've done and what you're doing clearly in the project is unlocking quite a lot of insights which will help us with that. Um, there is, as I understand, a, a, a website. So if people are interested in the project, they can find out more. They can access the reports as they come online. They'll be able to get more of the growing treasure pile of, uh, of resources. Um, but uh, for now, thank you so much for sharing some of those insights, Henning. Um, any last thoughts from your side? Yeah, of course. I mean, everybody's invited to have a look at our website at uh, impact-project.site, right? So that's the URL. I'll put it at the end of this just in case, yes. <laughs> Indeed, we benefited a lot from the exchange among the European project partners. And I want to thank them very much for keeping up the great collaborative spirit we had in this project and for the enriching and fruitful discussions that we had. So heartfelt thanks go to our academic partners, 
Dr. Sandra Dyke and Timo Brunner at the HHL in Leipzig, to my research assistant, Kirill Ivanov at HMKW in Berlin, to Professor Dr. Carmen Abril and her team at the Complutense University of Madrid, to the colleagues from the University of Florence and its foundation for research and innovation. Um, our partners there included Dr. Alessandro Monti, Professor Dr. Mario Rappaccini, Chiara Giugiani, and Rafaela Montera and their team, and the team at the Krakow University of Technology, including Professor Dr. Katarzyna Matras Post. Tolek and Jacek Kasch and also Irina Slivinska. Um, as you may notice, uh, we usually use the first names, so I still have to practice the last names a little bit here. Um, but we also want to thank our industrial partner companies, TÜV Nord, Baker Hughes, South Poland Clean Tech Cluster and 3M in Spain. We also thank the supporting organizations, namely the ISPIM conference and its organizers, Circular Change, Innofora, the accreditation agency, ASEAN, and last but not least, the Erasmus Plus program of the European Union that co-funded uh, this project. And of course, uh, thanks to you, John, for having me today on your podcast. Well, thank you, Henning. It's been really interesting. And uh, I love that long list of credits. It reminds me of a great movie. But of course, you know, that's one of the great strengths of a project like this. It's drawing on a lot of different people, a lot of different perspectives, which is helping yeah. us engage with what is, I think, one of the really big innovation challenges of our time. So thank you so much for sharing. Uh, we'll put the web link to the, uh, uh, the, the website for the project so people can find out more. But for now, thanks once again, Henning. Thank you, John.